Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. Powered by Rival Digital. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders and become equipped with the tools and knowledge you need to build a world-class business. Now, here's your host, Eric Thomas. I think I'm going to give a, a fictitious name to that guy that does the little 30-second countdown. Uh, I, I got him off of Fiverr. I've, I think I've told this story before in the past, but every time I listen to it, I get excited because it's like sounds like a movie trailer. So we'll give him a fictitious name like Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the warm intro, Mike. My name is Eric Thomas. I'm the host of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. Welcome back to another episode uh, before we get going, a little bit of our housekeeping items here. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. Uh, I've noticed in the past I haven't been asking people for that, so I'm trying to be better about asking for reviews on Apple Podcasts. So please leave us a review if you enjoy this at all. If you don't enjoy it, please don't give us a review because I don't like bad reviews. Um, no one does. So anyways, welcome back to another episode. Today we are joined by Colleen Keyworth, and uh, we've got a really a fun episode ahead of us. So Colleen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners out there and tell them all the fantastic things that are going on in your world. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> hello, my name is Colleen Keyworth. I um, am the incoming president and current vice president of Women in HVACR. I also work for Online Access. I'm the sales and marketing director for Online Access, which is a web marketing company for contractors. And we work with wholesalers, manufacturers too. And then in addition to that, I do some work for Southeastern Michigan ACA and <laughs> quite a few non-profits in the industry and, um, and other groups. It's kind of a passion of mine. So there's many, many hats at many, many times. Yeah. So how do you juggle all those different hats during the day? Because I, I think I have like one and a half hats and I always seem to fumble. <laughs> well, so I have to be fair and say, especially for all my other fellow ladies out there, I currently do not have children. I have a husband and two dogs, and that's a lot easier in my uh, estimation to juggle and, you know, be more available for things. And I and I, I definitely have to, you know, shout out to all the women who can do all of it. But mm -hmm. I think for me, um, there's a little less on my schedule. And so right now I, I feel productive when I get to be involved and get to volunteer and, you know, super passionate about pretty much all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my wife and I were in Charlottesville yesterday hiking, and it, it was just the two of us hiking, just carrying ourselves up the mountain. And then we we come across this couple, and like the mom has like the baby on the front and the baby in the back, and the dad's got like a baby on the back too. And we're like, they're like super parents. Yep. I don't know how they're. I could hardly get up to the top without like passing out. And I go through carrying. airports, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole nother level. <laughs> like, like a superpower, right? So, yeah, it's something else. So. Colleen, I'd, I'd love to dive in uh, to talk more about women in HVACR. Uh, this is kind of how we we met at when we were at Service World. You had your hats. You, you had two different hats. You had the online access booth next to the women in HVACR, and and that's where we, we ran into each other. So uh, just for the listeners out there who may not know what women in HVACR is, why don't you go ahead and tell them all the, all the ins and outs of the organization? Women HVACR is the premier women's group in the HVACR industry. So HVACR, for those of you who don't know, some people ask, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and refrigeration. We actually span all the way from 
um, U.S., anywhere in the U.S., and then in Canada, too. And we've been around for roughly going on 20 years right now. Um, we were established in 2002, and it was just a bunch of um, awesome ladies uh, at an ASHRAE show who were like, hey, we're sick of not seeing a line in the women's room, and we really need to try and start something to encourage more women in this awesome industry. And this is like the like super, super short <laughs> version of this story. Um, but it was one of those things where it kind of grew. And so it started off being very much contractor oriented. And so it was a lot of contracting ladies and, and business owners and vendors and stuff like that. And that were all starting this out and kind of putting their own money into it. And then it grew over the years. And so it wasn't until roughly, I think it was 2004, 2006, that they started entering into actually um, engaging wholesalers and manufacturers and service vendors. So that changed the organization from an, the inside out because that allowed actually more money. in. so before it was a, a big organization of collection of contractors and stuff. But then if, if you think about it, contractors, everything they do is out of their own pocket. So when you start getting corporate sponsorship, that really changes the game and it opens up your opportunities, expands your networking. And the cool thing about our industry um, is that it has so many different uh, verticals. Well, the cool thing about Women HVACR is we actually embrace all of those verticals, which is very unique. It doesn't happen very often. You have many, many amazing groups out there. You have Hardy, and that's wholesaler oriented. You have Service World, of course, which is very contractor. You have ACA, very contractor. You have ASHRAE, which is definitely very manufacturer and engineer. But then Women in HVACR actually goes all the way from technician, contractor, uh, you know, um, the marketing manager to the wholesaler, distributor, manufacturer, service vendor. And so it kind of encompasses all levels and every aspect of women working in the industry. So that's where we're at. That's really cool. I like that it kind of encompasses everything because there's like you're saying, there are a lot of great organizations out there that just focus on, you know, the manufacturing side or the wholesaling side or the contracting side. So it's cool that it's a place where it, no matter where you're at in the industry, be it your you know, a technician in the field or a wholesaler or whatever it may be, you're able to get involved. Mm -hmm. So during, I guess, during some of those phases of growth, uh, were, were you there since, since the beginning? Or <laughs> you, uh, no, uh, <laughs> currently I'm the oldest board member uh, current. Um, I started my WHVA journey, if you will, in 2015. I met my mentor and a friend at uh, at a um, Comfort Tech, which is a word you won't hear anymore, um, <laughs> in Tennessee, in Nashville, many moons ago. And I saw this corner booth with all these women in pink shirts at it. And then I also saw these shiny lanyards all over these conferences. And I was like, I want a shiny lanyard. Um, so if you must know, that was the that was the, the simplest reason. <laughs> and uh just got uh, indoctrinated onto the board immediately. Um, it was a very small group at the time, roughly 100 members and roughly working about like $10,000 that we had in sponsorship that we were working. And, and it was, um, you know, 10 of us ladies. And now I think we have 12. Um, we fluctuated back and forth quite a bit, but it's still all volunteer. Now we actually today have our first um, paid uh, employee, if you will. We have a part-time bookkeeper, which has made a world of difference because, of course, when you're dealing with 700 plus members, now it gets into like that's some serious numbers and Excel spreadsheets just don't do them justice anymore. So we had to put a lot of different things in place as we grew. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it, it's made a huge difference. We're not perfect by any means. I tell you what, we all have our grown-up jobs and it's still very, very much volunteer. 
And so it's a real big balancing act between getting stuff done in the organization and then getting, you know, real life. So it's, um, it's constantly changing every year. We have different focuses. We have different committees. Um, our networking is probably our prime, um, you know, I guess a, accomplishment was because we can actually create that space that makes it so easy to do so. But we also provide a lot of different programs. Um, we do an ambassador program to kind of equip women to and, and men to go into schools, Girl Scout troops, whatever they need to be to recruit women or, or guys, you know, into the industry. And so we actually provide the materials for that. We have um, a mentorship program where we're matching people up in the industry so that they have a mentor, they have somebody that they can lean on. Um, we also do a lot with education. So we work with our education partners quite a bit to provide scholarships. Scholarships is something we're going to be, and I know that's on our talking points, but um, we'll get into that in a second. But scholarships have been one of our main give, uh, you know, focuses for many, many years. And since we've grown and become as successful as we have, and it's something that we can actually pay a lot more attention to and we can add to and we can build. And so we've done that over the years, but now I think we're coming upon another level where we can actually uh, kind of make those a little bit more robust mm -hmm. and, um, you know, actually work harder at um, providing more of them. And so um, that's something that's going to happen in 2022 for sure. And then um, in general, there's um, our events. You know, we we get together with any industry event, so we'll have a presence there, um, whether that's, you know, Service World Expo or ACA or EGIA or Hardy or ASHRAE, any of those shows we'll try to get a presence at so that we're meeting people. Um, and then in addition, we obviously throw our own conference. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell, a very poor elevator rendition of the group overall. Yeah. So let me, yeah, let's go ahead and hit on the, on the scholarship since, uh, it's fresh in my mind. I know it's one of our talking points, but uh, I'd forget about it if we went down a different direction. <laughs> so, so the scholarship, yeah. Uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. I know you mentioned that you guys are currently redoing your scholarship. So, um, we've actually done a lot with it over the years, but I mean, there's, we've always been blessed with a lot of sponsorship. And so this year, especially we were blessed with some amazing sponsorship. And I think we were, we had so much momentum coming off of 2019. We just had our Boston conference. We had a really great conference. We were coming off of 2019. We were hitting a wall in 2020. And so we were, there was, everybody was kind of unsure. Things were, things were changing. And so we weren't really sure where sponsorship was going. Cause of course that's how we exist. Um, we weren't really sure what sponsors were going to do or, or even supporters and stuff. And it turned out towards the end, it was, it was actually a really good year for us. And then coming into 2020, even better. So our resources have expanded, which means that that's something that we can look at for how we market scholarships, how we structure our scholarships as far as what the, what the um, requirements are. Um, who we offer them to, which we've always offered scholarships to technicians, but we've also, very little people know this, we offer scholarships for BAs as well. So if you're looking at a position in the HVACR industry and it's a business position, um, we actually provide our scholarships for that too. Right now they're $2,000 scholarships, but we actually do multiple 2000. I think we had seven in 2019 and we had four this year. Um, or four in 2020 as well. It was. It's kind of been where we haven't had a lot of people apply this year. It was a weird year for us. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to look at what avenues are we using and what partners we're using for, you know, being able to spread the word first off. And then in addition to that, if we have sponsors or partners that want to match our scholarships, 
Um, I think we're going to look at the monetary value and adjust that first off for reality, what the cost of books and classes and courses are. Um, in addition to that, we're going to make sure we do a better job of putting up where we do as far as if it's just technical or if it's for your bachelor's. Um, and then how we actually distribute the money. Um, one of the big things is getting the schools involved. If the schools are involved, it's a huge deal because they're making those public announcements of scholarship winners and they're our partners and they're able to even handpick some of their best students and make sure they're giving them um, to us for these scholarships. So there's a lot of different things that we can look at and improve on. And I'm hoping that this year is a year that we can take that down and look at even our rubrics and how we how we structure them and how we partner with sponsors to even make it better. So Yeah. So when you guys... Uh... When you guys are getting people, I guess, to giving these scholarships out, what's some of the criteria that needs to be met? If you know, if there was someone listening out there who may want to you know, have one of their employees apply for it or know someone that you know it may benefit, what are some of the criteria for it? So, if you're going into well, any of our scholarships require at least a transcript of the school that you're going to be at. Um, we have to prove that you're actually a student. In addition to that, we also have. Um, uh, or an essay that you have to write. And so the essay is a big deal. Um, that kind of lets us know a little bit more about you, what your background is, what your story. We have um, we have also uh, your your GPA, you know, as far as your transcripts also have to include that. But there's only, there's minimal requirements on, on either there on the website. I'm not really sure what the GPA requirement is. I know there's two different ones for the BA and then the technical. Um, and then in addition to some of our stuff that we've been handing out with our, obviously our checks, we have amazing sponsors that have come alongside and partnered with them and also have hooked our girls up with tools and gear and anything that, you know, I don't understand what it does when I see it, but these girls light up like it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, those are some of the perks too, is that we bring them to our conference, uh, the winners. We pay for all their flights and their their registration and everything. And then we um, usually present them in person. We had one winner this year, Corey. Uh, Phillips, who was our winner, um, we had four winners, only she could make it to conference, but she was able to come and enjoy um, the, the whole beach in St. Pete's, but then she was uh, gifted at our luau with her check and all of her tools and everything. So that was a really cool yeah. moment to honor her. That's cool. Yeah, the GPA part of scholarships, it's always what got me. I feel like I did all right on the essay. I always had references, but I always, Yeah. GPA was never my strong thing. And here I am hosting a podcast about smart stuff now and uh, <laughs> smart marketing and all that good jazz. So uh, it's funny how the world seems to come around every once in a while. So uh, speaking of your conference, uh, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, it's it's an annual conference, I suppose, or is it biannual? Yeah, no, it's annual. We did it virtual last year like the rest of the world. Yeah. It was not my favorite, but I guess yeah. everybody thought they still had a good time, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, having a real conference this year. Um, and we had a, we had some serious concerns going into it, of course, and we had to do some flexes. Uh, we've been planning this conference since roughly February. Uh, we choose as a board um, where our destination is going to be at our meeting in January. And then come February and stuff like that, we just kick off and we go full-blown into conference planning mode. So I get jealous sometimes of some of these organizations that take like two years to plan their conference, and that's all they focus on. Yeah. Uh, we, as volunteers, throw an entire event for 250 people and go through the whole process. So um, St. Pete's was our destination. We were thinking Florida, every best chance in the world. <laughs> yeah, And it's kind of a getaway, because I think this was, this is, was actually some people's uh, first event that they'd attended. And so if we could provide some sort of paradise, that was kind of the goal. 
Um, our theme this year was breaking the surface, overcoming the waves of change. A lot of people heard breaking the surface and they're like, oh, glass ceiling. And I was like, it was more along the lines of coming back, coming back stronger, getting back into the groove, overcoming all these changes and just thriving. And so that was kind of the whole encompassment of that theme. And it was very beachy. So of course we kept it with the waves and the water. Yeah. Now in August, uh, we had some serious numbers spiking in St. Pete's. And so the COVID numbers were pretty crazy and we've been monitoring everything as a board and we had some serious decisions to make. And so we met as a group several times in August and we had different sides of whether we cancel it, whether we don't do one, whether we move it to the spring, whether we go virtual. And I was like, for any of you guys who don't know this, virtual is easily three times the work. And Mm -hmm. it is, it is, it is a lot of work. And so that was not my favorite choice by any means. I don't think it would have been our members either. Um, So we looked at what we could offer, how we could, how we could change things a bit, how we can make it even safer. Um, We we even surveyed some of our members to just try and get a feel for things. So um, what it boiled down to as a board is we agreed to hold the event still and we moved it all outside to a tent on the beach. I had just done this earlier with service roundtable at the barefoot roundtable. Mm-hmm. And we used kind of a page from their book and worked with the resort to do a 120 by 60 foot tent on the beach. Now there are awesome things to having a tent on the beach, having a conference. And then there are some not so awesome things. So the awesome thing was it was outside. People were very casual. It was super like shorts and like you know t-shirts and very very resort casual very very nice Mm -hmm. and comfortable toes in the sand type of thing and then it was also like you know 89 degrees now it was cooler (laughs) underneath the tent we had an awesome breeze but Mm -hmm. there were just those moments of humidity where you're just like oh my god i am melting um and it was hard it was really hard to navigate that because of course being in october we could have gotten either and so um, that was one of the, the feedback pieces of everybody's like air. And we're like, we're sorry. Yeah. Um, but we didn't want to have everybody inside the building so much. So we had already had so much of our conference outside moving out in the tent made sense. And then the resort had seven weddings that same weekend. So where we thought our tent was going to be placed ended up moving farther down the beach. So the logistics were a little different. I mean, I noticed this stuff. I hope our members didn't notice so much. But in general, the feedback was very positive. Everybody loved the food, loved the, the view of the ocean every day. It, the vibe was very different. Um, our swag bags were amazing. Our sponsors really updid themselves. We had a great luau on Thursday night. And that was really fun to have a live band and just kind of, you know, visit with everybody. And then in addition to that, we did um, a wine tasting um, where we, we kind of partnered with the local winery and did a wine tasting welcome reception when everybody came in. We had... Uh, three keynote speakers this year and nine breakout speakers. So there was a lot of content. We usually try to divide it up. We usually try to do a business and marketing sessions, kind of a soft skill session and a technical. And everybody, um, it's kind of hard. So I know everybody doesn't think about this, but we're responsible to providing content to all levels of the industry, not just contractors. Mm -hmm. And so it is such a task to try and find everybody something that that's for everybody and so we try to do our best with that and we're constantly learning um there's just a lot to it and i, I know that um you know finding different places everybody's like well we could go to like a jw or do something really fancy and i was like you know here's the thing with being everyone's organization there's a certain price point you have to keep it at in order to make sure you're you're being able to see everybody for yeah. a for a corporate sponsor or manufacturer or even a wholesaler to say, hey, yeah, we can go anywhere. That's great. You have a corporate 
account that actually pays for that. When you're mm -hmm. a contractor or a technician who's taking time off their schedule to come, that is their time and coming directly out of their pocketbook. So, you know, there's just different things to think about that make it a little bit of a challenge, but I think it's worth it in the end because it provides some of the most unique networking opportunities that you're going to find anywhere in the industry. Yeah. So which of the three different, I guess, topics was the most popular? Um, and I, this is not meaning self-serving only because I just read all the surveys. So our two most popular uh, sessions, I, I guess I can give you the most popular one out of all of them. So we had a business and marketing track and the most popular one was Dave Squires is uh, managing your, your employees and your technicians to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the soft skills, we had, we kind of had two, Ruth King and uh, um, Nolan gave, um, you, Ruth King did one for um, negotiation and it was really, really good. And yeah. Yerla Nolan gave one on all the things you need to know about LinkedIn and how to improve your profile and how to improve your networking on LinkedIn, which was very, very good. That's cool. And then um, on the technical, we had some some awesome speakers. We had uh, we had um, Don Gillis from Emerson, and we had Tom Jackson from Jackson Systems, and we had Brian Orr from the HVAC School podcast. So they've all presented. Cool. Uh, I think Tom did zoning, and Don did uh, it could be basics of recovery, and then I think uh, Brian did a really good one on just basics of HVAC overall. And he did kind of an overall uh, presentation on that. I was not able to attend any of the presentations. So I'm going <laughs> off of the, the feedback in the <laughs> surveys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised that the, you know, some of the, I guess, well, one training and keeping technicians around is always uh, a popular talking point these days, especially with people having a hard time finding people in general. Um, but like negotiation, like I could see where that would be very valuable for uh, a anybody. lot of folks out there really. Yeah, exactly. Cause like everybody, even you don't have to just be in sales to be negotiating. Like you have to like negotiate pretty much everything and people don't realize that you're negotiating meeting times. You're negotiating yeah. what we're going to talk about, who's doing what stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. But I, I really like the, the concept of the, the LinkedIn breakout because that's something that I feel a lot of people really are missing the mark on, especially oh. If I learn something every time she speaks. <laughs> yeah. If you're a contractor and, or you own a business even, or you're an employee, you can benefit from LinkedIn in so many different ways. Like if you're looking yeah. for a job, you can obviously benefit from LinkedIn for finding a job. But if you're a contractor that does commercial, even light commercial, you can get so much business off of LinkedIn just it's from. It's very B2B. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's definitely really cool. So what was, I, I guess if, and I know you just said you didn't really get to attend any of them, but what was some of the, I guess, some of the, the key takeaways from that one? Uh, so from the LinkedIn one, your Liz actually spoke to us before on some of our Zooming meetings, and then um, she'll, she'll probably come back another time. She's, she's fantastic. But she does a lot on bio writing as far as how to write your own bio, and because a lot of people struggle with that. Nobody wants to, you know, be braggadocious about <laughs> themselves, but she's very good at it. And she has a business that actually does it professionally. Um, and then the LinkedIn stuff, a lot of it's kind of how you connect with people. Why, what are you doing? Are you just randomly accepting um, invitations? And then what tools you can use? Like I know um, one of the ones I learned is that you can be in a room and you can turn on uh, a certain feature and it'll light up anybody who's LinkedIn in the room. And so as long as everybody has it on, you can instantly connect with tons of people. So some of those tools, we kind of wish we'd done the first day maybe and then done it as yeah. a group and just kind of lit that up. Kind of like a beacon. Um and then you can kind of instantly connect with anybody who's in nearby because it kind of sends kind of a kind of a signal out. Yeah. Um, there's also like with 
how you're connecting people, how you've set up your profile. Um, what are what are you putting in your your title tags? What are you putting in your recommendations? That type of stuff. So there's a lot of things that like I'm sure everybody kind of logs into LinkedIn and does some some LinkedIn you know stalking on things. But then you kind of overlook your profile sometimes, mm-hmm. and you realize that you have to keep it updated. And then there's also endorsements, and then there's having recommendations and stuff. And it's like, I, you could be in a secure job, but you never want to be caught with a profile that's super outdated. Yeah. And so it's really important, even if you're making business connections in your current job, to be able to have some of those accolades to show that this is the person I need to be talking to. Yeah. Well, so. that's that's inspired me to go back and work on mine because <laughs> like you're just saying, I mean, and, and I'm sure you get it because, you know, you're in marketing day in and day out. Like you spend so much time on other uh, on client stuff and then you you go back and look at your own stuff and you're like, Ooh, I haven't updated this in like six months. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, so. uh, full discretion. Online's access Facebook took like a nosedive for two years where it was like, we were working on everybody else's and it was like, Oh my gosh, we should probably practice what we preach. And yep. so this year I have an entire team whose full dedication is to make sure that like, we actually look like we're home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we've been saying. We're uh, kind of like our, uh, our little tagline around here now is just making sure we eat our own dog food. That's what we keep saying to ourselves and see your own dog you food because we're always out, like you're saying, optimize your, you know, your, your Facebook page and your Google my business and doing all this. And then we, we haven't been. Um, I've always grown up with a saying in our family that the cobbler's kids don't wear shoes. Um, my dad's a contractor. My husband's a contractor. When it comes came time to turn the heat on, because it is 48 degrees here in Michigan, and I came home from Florida, and I was like, what the flamingo? It is cold. And he's like, I refuse. And I was like, no, it's October. We're turning on the heat. And he's like, no, I refuse. <laughs> so eventually he did. But of course, it's that I don't want to work on one more system if that's all I've done all day. And I don't care if it's our own. I'm not turning on our boiler. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Well, uh, one more one more thing I really want to touch on before we uh, begin wrapping up is involvement. Uh, I know that you had said uh, earlier that you guys are beginning to get more, you know, more people involved so that you can have more sponsorships and, and grow your memberships and all that stuff. So, so what are some ways to get involved, and what does that look like uh, from an involvement standpoint? So there are many ways to get involved. Uh, first off, I would recommend for anybody, even if you just don't want to join yet, you want to just figure it out. Check out our Facebook, our LinkedIn groups. Those are popping. And I know popping sounds completely whatever, but they are. Mm-hmm. They've been. So we have our Facebook business page, which is just the business page where you can see updates. And we have our group. So as long as you just uh, uh, you know, ask to join and we just make sure you're not you know, some sort of spam or anything like that, you're allowed to join. And it's just not pro- pro- uh, you can't get, like, you know, spam it with all your company stuff. But you can do a job board on it. You can do posts looking for women technicians. There's tons. Our group kind of blew up overnight in the last five years and has become a sounding board for female technicians everywhere. And it's so awesome to see the back and forth conversations and then honestly see the transparency into their day-to-day lives, what they're dealing with in the field. And then they're constantly sounding off with each other saying, what do you recommend for this type of work food? What do you recommend for this type of tool? Who's Who uses this for any of their flaring kits? And so there's constant, um, you know, chatter going on in there. So please plug in, you know, get involved with their Facebook group. Our LinkedIn group gets more into, obviously, um, more of the the sales, marketing and business and, and everything like that. So that group is also a private group. You ask to join. We bring in, we do a lot of announcements and then there's just some articles being shared in there. But it's how we get a lot of our announcements across besides our mailing list. 
Joining as a member puts you on our mailing list. Membership is $99 a year currently. We may be raising that in the future. I don't know. Everybody's raising their prices. It's getting kind of crazy. Yeah. But for $99 a year, it's a small investment. And that's anybody's welcome to be a member. I'm going to repeat that again. Anybody's welcome to be a member. If you support women in the industry, you're golden. So um, there's no restrictions on membership. Our partnerships. Partnerships and sponsorships are very different. So I'm going to go over them both uh, re relatively quickly. Partnerships are industry organizations. We have been blessed with some pretty amazing partnerships. And partnerships are important because there is no such thing as one organization to rule them all. Mm -hmm. you know. And so we have to rely on supporting each other and creating synergy in order to get the most success. And so we have organizations like Women HVACR Canada. We have uh, Service Nation, Nate, Hardy, ACA, AHRI. All of these groups are uh, wonderful partners that we've had. And to be a partner, you have to be another industry organization in some way, shape, or form. One of the newer partners that we have is also the EGI University. So we're going to be at mm -hmm. Epic next week, which is going to be awesome. pretty fun. That's going to be our first time for the group. Um, yeah. So partnerships is where we kind of do kind of a booth swap agreement for being at, at each other's shows. We promote each other's causes. Um, you know, we, we try and find synergy where we can to make everybody kind of rising tide and all ships kind of thing. And then we have a kind of a free registration between um, each of the people that we swap booths with. So that's kind of uh, more specific to industry organizations where sponsorship, if you are a for-profit company, sponsorship's a good place to start. Now, I would recommend to anybody become a member first, get involved first, even stock our Facebook and LinkedIn because it, or, or, or Instagram, um, because it's just kind of like, is this a good fit for you? And mm -hmm. I really think that we have, we have tripled in sponsorship over the last couple of years because we've become such a force of, of not just networking, but of connections and, and just had the group grow so much and sponsorship. We've kept it really relatively affordable levels just because it's, it is our source of income, but because we want to make sure it's accessible to everyone. We have levels for everyone. So our lowest level of sponsorship is $500. Our top level of sponsorship is $7,500. That is for the year. Mm -hmm. Sponsorship starts in January and ends at the end of the year. And it's one of the things that we keep on a schedule so that we know as an organization how to build our budget for the year. We used to just do it the old-fashioned way where we used to call everybody and say, hey, we want to do a luncheon. Will you sponsor lunch? Will you sponsor dinner? Will you sponsor this event? And that became super difficult because we could never have the flexibility or the mobility to jump in where we needed to, to mm -hmm. be a part of different events or to throw an event. And so by having sponsorship up front, we were able to build a budget, we were able to build a plan, and we were able to commit to things that allowed us to grow a lot faster. And once we started to grow, then our, our, our visibility started to grow, which also increased for our sponsors, our sponsors yeah. visibility group. So all in all, we have something for everybody, even if you just want to just kind of dabble and get involved. And then, um, you know, if it's something where it's like, you know what, I really want to give back and I want, I've been a member for a couple of years. We also have board opportunities. You know, if that's something where you want to, you know, plug in and get into is not for the faint of heart. It is an all female board, of course, and um, which comes with its own challenges sometimes. But I tell you, some of these women over the years in my life have become some of my biggest mentors and friends. And it is a labor of love on all of our parts to, to make this work. And it's definitely an experience. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if you're listening and you want to get involved, I would I would encourage you to uh, check out their website, womenhvacr.org. Uh, there's a ton of, of useful information right there, even when you first get on the website. So uh, 
all that stuff's right there and you can you can dive in a little bit more and learn more as well colleen we have one more thing before we go this is a new segment and it is um season one we had hvac trivia uh that was fun however there's only so many trivia questions that you can ask so <laughs> this season we are busting out a brand new segment called this or that And we will be asking you, I guess, just a few marketing, this or that, things that okay. you prefer uh, in regards to marketing, since you know we're both marketers here, something sure. that we can talk about pretty easily. So first one, this or that, in regards to lead generation, Google ads or Facebook ads? Mm, uh, that's kind of tough. I can say Facebook ads. Yeah, I think Facebook ads are great, especially for getting some of those repair jobs. Uh, if you use like a like a Facebook form and tie it in with like Service Titan, you can get those jobs. And I think it's the competition that, and honestly, the price point that I that I, I had to make that call on. They're both sometimes a toss up depending upon where you are. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a that's a great take on it. So, all right, this or that. Hmm. Here we go for branding. Okay. Facebook ads or uh, YouTube ads. Ooh. Hmm. I'm, I, and I know I sound like a basic person here, but I'm actually going to say Facebook again, just because, uh, my target demographic for a lot of it aren't people that watch YouTube. Yeah. I I've seen, the reason I asked that is because I've seen a big rise in the YouTube advertising now for like pre-roll video. Uh, it seems like that we we've, we've come across this a lot more and people are starting to actually look into it. So I've like been wondering, I wonder if Facebook video advertising is starting to decline and it's moving over to YouTube, but I've seen, probably the most success with Facebook personally. My two cents on this are that Facebook's getting in on the TikTok thing, obviously with like Instagram reels and everything. So it's one of those things where you can get lost in that black hole where you're just scrolling up and watching all the random videos. There's been advertising through that, that I've seen that's been very successful um, as long as it's targeted YouTube. I mean, if you're using YouTube TV, maybe, but again, mm. it's one of those things where YouTube's a lot of Twitch streamers and video gamers, and yeah. you know, it's not necessarily your person who's buying a duckless unit. Um, <laughs> that that could be me. That's just my take. I know that yeah. it'll eventually happen, but Facebook seems to be that older demographic, and it's that first gateway drug into social media that a lot of your older homeowners are in, and then it gets kind of goes from there. Even millennials, I would say, probably aren't looking on YouTube for their next uh, contractor. Just my thoughts. Yeah. Everybody has different opinions on this. All right. Here's, here's another one. This one might be less of a this or that or more uh, of a, I guess, kind of just a, a debate that I've, I've seen going around Facebook groups now. Are van wraps a marketing expense or an operation expense, in your opinion? I've seen them cut both ways. Um, yeah. I, 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 I honestly think that they are, I think they're a marketing expense. Um, and I think that that's part of what you pay for, for marketing, like just like a yard sign, honestly, but mm -hmm. I can see the operations angle from it too, but I'd have to say marketing still because it's yeah. part of, it's part of your entire brand persona. Absolutely. I'm with you there. I think it's a marketing expense and I keep seeing, uh, I'd like a fly on the wall in a lot of these Facebook groups. And I listen to, <laughs> I kind of just read what people are saying. And I keep seeing people saying that they're beginning to see that as more of an operational. Expense. I'm sure we watch the same ones. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Likewise. I'd love, 
I'd love to hear your feedback on this. If you're listening and you have a different opinion, please let us know or comment or, or uh, share it and comment, whatever you, you prefer to do. Cause I love to keep the conversation going. So Colleen, thank you for taking the time out of your uh, morning. If you're in Michigan morning to join us on the podcast. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. All right, Colleen, we will talk to you soon and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.